Uh, who here worries? Okay, so there's a few honest people that did that and the rest are looking at me like, that was a really dumb question, Chris. <laughs> it's like, that's why I told you. It's a really dumb question. As a matter of fact, we all know, it's no secret that stress and anxiety is, is a major issue for our society. Uh, interestingly, like Pastor Sue just turned to me while we were in worship and uh, I haven't shared my message with her and she turns and says, I just really feel a word in my heart. And I said, well, you better get up there. And so, you know, we've already prayed along those lines. It's already been a bit of a theme. Even the way Michael prayed and led us in prayer is a little bit of a theme. And, uh, and we do understand that stress and anxiety is an issue. You'd have to be living under a rock. Not to realise that. Beyond Blue, an agency that supports people in depression and mental health issues, it estimates that there's approximately one million Australians suffering with depression at any one time, two million suffering from major anxiety issues at any one time. Uh, Medical journals are full of uh, of, uh, studies and research that shows that stress and anxiety, uh, bad levels of it, because of course there is a healthy stress that causes you to grow or energises you to to, to get up and make something of life. There's a certain level of it, but when it becomes unhealthy, it's linked to everything from coronary heart diseases, uh, lung diseases, nervous system disorders, suicide, self-harm. The list just goes on and on and on what this stuff is linked to and it is an epidemic in our society without doubt. As a matter of fact I look back over my preaching notes and things I've preached on and this is maybe a topic that I preach on at least two or three times a year now uh, not because I, I sort of just go well that'd be a good idea because, but because it gets on my heart and I guess because I, I help people walk through that or I see people or I, you know, I, 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 I take notice of what's going on yeah. in people's lives. The, the good news is that God's word speaks to this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got to be careful of pat answers, but there is definitely wisdom yeah. to be applied in our lives. God gives us ways of coping with what we feel is the uncopable at times. And so I want to look at this whole concept today and, uh, and hopefully give us some things that can help us. Interestingly, a University of Louisville study concluded this. At the end of the study, uh, the doctor wrote this, our mode of life itself, the way we live, is emerging as today's principal cause of sickness. Just crazy. Uh, Meanwhile, we've got massive focus on trying to be healthy. Doesn't seem strange. Uh, Stress is a funny thing. Uh, Imagine with me, if you will, a person who goes on holidays. Actually, this just reminds me of Sri Lanka a little bit. But but a, a person who goes on holidays and... And they get there. Imagine if it was you. You arrive on holidays and you put your suitcase on the bed and you've packed for this holiday and you're ready to go to the pool. And so you open up your suitcase and I bet you someone here has done this. You already know where it's headed. You open up your suitcase and you go through your suitcase quickly to find your togs and you can't find them. And so you don't get stressed. You just go back to the top. And you go through a little bit more carefully. But you still can't find them. So you go through it layer by layer very carefully. And you still can't find them. So all of a sudden the blood pressure is starting to rise. 
you know, it's getting warmer outside and it's like, it's, it's, I've got to hit the beach or I've got to hit the pool. And so you, what do you do then? You unpack your suitcase, you put them all out on the bed, everything out on the bed and you go through and it's still not there. So you put it all back in and then you wander around and you're in a bit of a tiz and you're wondering what you should do. And so what do you do next? You go back to the suitcase, don't you? And one more time, just one more time, even though you know they're not there. You go back and you have another look. Most of the guys here do not, most of the husbands don't know what I'm talking about because they're like, I don't know, that's that's my wife's job. (laughs) But you go back through. And as crazy as that sounds, it it is crazy. Who's ever gone through and looked 10 times in the same spot and then thought that was a dumb exercise? I didn't get a different result because I looked more. I got the same result. Um, And the, the funny thing is, as much as we could say that looks silly, it is what we tend to do in our heads and with our thoughts with things that concern us, with things we get anxious about, with, with, with things that aren't working for us, we tend to, even though the answer to our issues is no more in our head than our swimmers are in our suitcase. We go back through, back through, back through, back through, resorting it, rethinking it, re-speaking it in our heads. Come on, who's heard that little voice? That self-talk in our head. And there is no answer there and yet we persist. And that, my friend, is maybe the clearest and simplest definition of anxiety I could ever give you. Is going back and trolling through your mind again and again and again when the answer was not there yesterday and it probably won't be today. The amount of times that we do it. So here's a more specific question. That's not quite as dumb. But whoever worries to the point where they could say they get stressed? We all worry, but how far do you let it go before you even recognise it? And I think that's often one of the problems is we don't recognise it. We don't think about what we're thinking about. We just feel certain things and we're not even sure how we got there. But generally under a feeling is a thinking process in our lives. And so Jesus says this in Luke chapter 21 verse 26. uh, Again, stress is no surprise to scripture. Jesus said men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming to the world. The King James, which is a very literal translation of scripture, actually says this, that men's hearts will be failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. So Jesus recognised that at some point in the future, literally, people will have heart issues because of stress in one sense. And I know I'm pulling that a little bit out of context, but I think the truth is the same no matter what the context. So I actually want to look at divine stress management today. Are you okay? I'm hoping this will be helpful. All the young mums are like, yeah. <laughs> Divine stress management, and it's a pretty simple formula. Here you go. Here's three things you've got to do. First one is stop. Just stop it. Turn to the person next to you and say, stop it. Stop it. Stop worrying. Stop focusing on what you don't have. 
and what you don't have. Because honestly, that is generally what the issue is. Sometimes it's what might happen, but most often it's what you don't have, what's not happening for you. We just, we focus on what we don't got more than what we do. And, you know, we, we've just come back, obviously, from a nation that's more emerging than what we are. And, man, that impresses you, this, this point on you so totally. Things that we just take for granted. Things that we get upset about not having here um, pale into insignificance when you go somewhere where people just live a lot harder. Uh, so it's all relative, And yet people work themselves into a ladder, work themselves literally into an anxious state that deteriorates or undermines their health over things that really don't matter at all. And and I understand how, how that happens. I think our society is geared to make us needy. Because when people feel needy and people feel wanting, it's easier to sell them things. It's that simple. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's an amazing promise that, that often we skip over. As a matter of fact, the most often I ever hear this verse quoted is just the first part uh, or the, the first part of the last verse. Seek first the kingdom of God. And yet there's an incredible promise attached to that. So I want to look at this verse just around this whole thought of stop. And then I'm going to move on to a couple of other quick thoughts. But stop. Jesus said, do not worry. It's like a command. The King James, again, the more literal version, actually says, take no thought. Don't worry. In other words, take no thought about these things. Don't waste your thought energy on these things. And I love this. And and, and yet, it's like a tall order. But you don't understand what I'm facing. If you knew what I was worried about, and I know there will be major, every realm of concern will be represented here today. From things that we really shouldn't be worried about, right through to the most pressing issues of life. It will all be represented in a room this size. So this seems like such a tall order, even if it's just the frivolous end. But you don't know how much this means to me. Right through to, well, this is a really serious issue of life. Yet Jesus' instruction is the same. It seems like a tall order, but I think why it has power is because of the promise that's attached to it. Yeah, yeah but you don't understand what I need. And Jesus is saying, well, worrying, it is not going, worrying about it is not going to bring it any closer to you. What you have to do is ground yourself in the fact that your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. And if you pursue him, he will add the things. Listen, that the rest of our society, it says pagans, which was a general word for those outside of covenant belief. Yeah. A general word. So it's not a derogatory term. It was just a descriptive term of those outside of a covenant relationship who could fully trust God. And what Jesus was saying was, don't act like someone who has no faith. Yeah. 
When you worry, you act like someone who has no faith. But put your trust in the one who knows what you need. And is happy to add the things. And I've always found this interesting because often we spiritualize what God wants to add to our life. But, but in all honesty, if you need a better car, if that's what pagans are running after, God wants to get you into a better car. But he, he might not necessarily want you to go into massive debt for it. Don't think like a pagan, act like a pagan. Trust God. Stop worrying about it and let him bring something into your life at the right time. And this is, this is not easy to do. But the alternative is all kinds of health issues and mental stress issues if you can't actually find yourself in a place of trust with God. So all these things, don't worry, place no thought. This is all about suppressing your self-talk. That voice that's running around in your head telling you you're not enough and you don't have enough and life would not be good until I've got this or until I've got that. You've got to be able to stop that and stop worrying about what you don't have. Stop worrying about what might happen and ground yourself back in faith in a God that knows what you need and is willing to bless. So... Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. I, I guess if we're honest, often our problem is trying to figure out how to get things. Just think about life. You know, and I'm not talking now about uh, someone who's greedy or someone who's unbalanced. or I'm just talking about general life. You know, we need to eat. We, we need to drink we need to be clothed we need we need these things and Jesus recognizes that so it's a it's a reality that we're, we're going to have pressure but again are we able to find trust for God in the center of pressure or are we going to behave like someone who has no one to lean on seek first the kingdom our our problem is trying to figure it out but the moment Think about it, the way our society works. The moment you think you get what you need, somewhere between social media and advertising, it will rob any feeling of satisfaction that you have until you are back into FOMO. Fear of missing out is just promoted. It's the way things get sold in our society. So I want to encourage you. God wants to be your source, uh, but he can't be till you put him first. Until you displace worry with the knowledge of a God that loves you, that you can trust. You, are, you will just act like a pagan. And again, not as a derogatory term, you will act like someone who has no active faith in a God who provides. That's what Jesus was saying. Here's the second thought. So you've got to stop. Turn to the person next to you and and say, stop it. <laughs> stop worrying. Stop worrying. Put your trust in God. And I'll open that up a little bit more in a moment. Here's the second thing you've got to do. You've got to turn. You've got to turn. You've got to turn nervous energy into prayer. Honestly, if you want a recipe, do, you know, Dr. God's recipe for stress-free living, 
you know, number one, you've got to stop the worry and you've got to turn nervous energy into prayer. This is the way Paul puts it. The Apostle Paul in, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, 6 right through 8. And he says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And then he goes on in verse 8, he goes on to actually say, I don't think I've got it up there. I do have that verse, don't I? I do have that passage. Um, yeah, I don't have the last one, but the next passage is literally, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are of good report. He gives this massive list of all the stuff we should be thinking about to displace worry and concern and lusting after things. Don't, you know, you, you can't sort of just live in a vacuum. You've got to replace it with something. And Paul says, you know, you get so anxious about this stuff, but I want you to turn your anxiety into prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but... In all things, in everything that you're facing, pray, present these things to God and his peace. It's interesting, he doesn't necessarily say things are going to change. Wouldn't it be an awesome promise if it was when you pray, everything's just going to change instantly? It's not that. What changes is you first up. The anxiety, the stress, the pressure begins to be relieved as you turn anxiety into faith-filled prayer. Prayer has an amazing way of distilling our thoughts. I think actually prayer is the way that we harness negative self-talk. If you think about it, when you're worried, when you're anxious about things, there tends to be all these strands of thinking. You know, and and fear, strands of fear. Actually, if you look at it, anxiety is like a net. And just all these different strands and threads of thinking. And they're all generally confused and running in every direction. And as anxiety builds, this just gets more and more and more intense. And I think it's like Paul is saying, you could grab hold of all of those loose ends in your head. All of those strands, all of those fears. Grab hold of them and weave them into, literally into a rope that you can lasso heaven. Instead of all your thoughts being diverse, and but what about if, and what if this happens, and what if that doesn't happen, and what if they say this, or what if they do that, all of those strands of thought can be just brought into one clear focus. And, and I think this is what the Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And he talks about literally the weapons that God has given his people to be effective in life. And, uh, and interestingly, you know, at different times in church history, that scripture's been viewed different ways. But, but what is really plain about 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, which, there we go, it's up there, uh, is that it's all about your thinking. It's all about your thinking. You know, Christians, you mention warfare, like it says up there, and, uh, and it's like straight away they're thinking demons. It doesn't mention that there. Anywhere. It mentions thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ. Thoughts that would tell you that you can't trust God in this situation. Exalting themselves against the knowledge of Christ. And, and yet we have the authority, so we have the power. It's within our possibility, our capability to capture our thinking. Oh, I can't help what I think. Yes, you can. 
Paul is saying that's a, that, that is the weapon God has given you. You have power over your thinking. You can actually capture it. And yet most of us feel like we can't. Most of us will justify it even. just for, Well, it's just the way I feel. It's just the way I'm thinking. Well, maybe you need to think differently. Well, how can I think differently? These thoughts get in my head. Well, then maybe you'd better start capturing them instead of letting them run riot. Pull these strands together and weave them into something that glorifies God. And Paul promises, man, if you can do that, if you can convert all of that anxious energy into prayer, then God's peace, which is beyond human reason, I should be so much more upset about this. I was talking with, with, uh, with someone this, this week who's an elderly person who's just been widowed. And I went and visited the family yesterday and as I was walking out, she came out to the gate with me and the thing that she said, I heard her say at least three times in the hour or so that I visited was all to do with I cannot believe the peace that I have in this situation. Wow. I've just lost my lifelong mate and yet there is a peace that passes my understanding in the middle of it and all I'd note about that individual is I know they're a praying person they're a praying person a situation that for most people and and it is devastating but for most people maybe would not be coping prayer is a major coping tool in this person's life and it didn't surprise me because I've seen it again and again and again and again so you've got to stop Worrying, Jesus said you can't turn one hair of your head. You can't change a thing by worrying. But you can turn anxiety into peace when you pray. And finally, trust God. You can stop. You've got to turn. And you've got to trust. And funnily enough, those three words in one sense... They actually mean repentance. That's what the Bible word for repentance is. You know, it's got funny connotations in our society because the way it's been used, popularised, maybe used in church and then popularised in social media, it's like this big negative. Repent, for the end is nigh. Well, Greek word simply means to do an about face, to turn from the direction you were going unto another direction. From unto. Repent does not mean feel sorry. It means turn and go a different way. And so, you know, you find yourself wiring, anxious, things building. Then again, you've got to determine, I am not going to let my brain run away with me in this. I have a God who cares about me, who knows what I need and is willing to bless me willing to add to my life if I seek him first and then I can deal with this negative energy in me and the thoughts and the, the fears and everything else I can deal with that by turning it into prayer and letting God know how I'm feeling and what I need and that galvanizes all those thoughts into something that's actually stable and then trusting to turn from your fears unto trust to turn from the situation that threatens to swallow you unto your God is repentance 
Trust, trust God more than yourself. Because ultimately I think that's where our fear comes from is when we think it all depends on us. And as much as we say we believe and we can come to church and raise our hands and worship God, it's interesting how it works out in real life once the lights are out. Where we actually go back to self-trust and I think I need to make it happen and this is going to depend on what I do and, and, and as, you know a lot of life does depend make quality decisions build your life with wisdom but ultimately God is our source uh, one of the earliest scriptures I think I ever memorized as a young Christian was Proverbs chapter 3 verses uh, 5 and 6 which is really familiar to everyone but trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and he will make your paths straight uh, or whatever version I've got put up there but it's something similar I think I said something similar so you know there's, there's, there's really two elements of this the first one is, is trust you've got to trust God trust turn back to God and trust him and it's, it's hard how do you describe that what does trust mean well I think trust means leave your concerns at God's feet more than anything else leave your concerns at God's feet how do you do that well I don't know the only thing I could think of is, is the broken toy, toy drawer that we had for many years and for many years, you know, as the dad, as dad, the kids bring you the broken toys. Dad, can you fix this? Can you put this wheel back on this car? Can you put this leg back on this dolly? All the parents of young children are smiling at me right now. And, uh, and I had a draw because I had full of intent. I was full of intention, but very little time. And so I had a draw. It was like, I'll put, yep, you give it to me. I'll fix that. Put it in the drawer. I don't know how many years later, but I do remember once upon a time discovering a drawer I'd forgotten. And it was full of broken toys. It was full of cars with three wheels and dollies with one leg, etc., etc. And you know what? The funny thing was, I thought back about it and I thought, after those kids gave me that broken toy and I said I'd fix it, I never heard from them again because I put it in the drawer. It was a little bit like out of sight out of mind and little kids just moved on and it didn't actually hurt them the thing that was so important on that day that caused so many tears was just given to dad and dad was trusted with now I'm sure our heavenly father's more trustworthy than me (laughs) just remember remember all analogies break down somewhere but I, I do think that that's, that's a picture of trust. Remember what Jesus said, that unless you have faith like a child, yeah. and unless you change, unless you repent and become like a little child, you will not see the kingdom. You won't enter into what God's got for you. And so trust in the Lord with all of your heart is, is that whole concept, I think, is leaving it at, at Dad's feet, giving what is broken, to your heavenly father so that you don't carry the burden of worry and fear and anxiety that goes with it and then of course leaning not on your own understanding um, that, I think that's an easier thing to illustrate but uh, you know all of us at some point in life have lent on something that was less than stable yeah. you went to lean on the table 
and didn't realise it didn't have four legs, it just had you know, one centre one, and when you leant on it, you went. And isn't it interesting that if you lean on something that collapses, you always fall the way you're leaning. You know, if you're leaning this way, you're putting your weight that way and it collapses, which way are you going to fall? You're going to fall that way. And I think what, what the writer of Proverbs is saying is position yourself in such a way that when the bottom falls out, you fall toward God. You don't fall towards your own efforts, your own resources, your own capabilities, your own ability to work the problem out, but position yourself, take a stature in life so that when things, when the bottom falls out, when things fall over, when what you're trusting collapses, you actually fall in God's direction. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Stop. Stop the worry. Even just me saying that, for some of you, it's like that is impossible. If you knew. And in one sense, it's like, man, it's hard to preach. It's a hard thing that Jesus said because that just seems so impossible. I think Jesus said it because he realized if there's no answers in it, then you worrying is not going to help you. You know, if worrying could change things, I'm sure Jesus would have encouraged us to do it. Because God loves us. He wants to help us. So if that's where the answer was, Jesus would have said, worry away, boys. Paul would have said, if anything troubles you, worry. But he didn't. Jesus said the opposite. You cannot change. A man cannot add one inch to his stature by worrying. You cannot add one hair to your head. Don't worry, I have tried. It doesn't work. (laughs) So it seems harsh, but it's just a reality. Worry will not help you. Worry will cause you to be sick. But you do have a God that knows what you need. Pursue him. Pursue him. Turn to him. Lean on him. Trust him, is what Jesus would say. So I've got some questions to ask us in in closing, just to apply it. Here's, Here's a question for you. What can I delete off my worry list? What can I delete off my worry list? You know, there's probably things that you just don't need to be worried about. Uh, I love this. This is the first step in, for anyone who's in administration, if you've ever heard this simple rule of thumb, the four Ds of, of administration. Um, but so after you get past never touch the same piece of paper twice, you get to the four Ds. The first one is delete. If you're looking at a pile of papers and things that you need to sort through, first question you've got to ask yourself is, do I even need to keep this? Delete. And then, you know, you delegate, you date, or you do. But start with delete. And I think that would be a good place for some of us to start. What is troubling you? What is concerning you? Why don't you write it down and then delete what you shouldn't even be worrying about for a start? And and I guess what you've got left is like a prayer list. (laughs) We could just close there, couldn't we? 
What are the loose threads that I keep returning to that really aren't the issue? Second thought, and I guess we've already gotten there, but if I turned worry into prayer, what should I be praying about? And the last thought is, which way am I leaning? If what I'm leaning on in life collapsed today, would I fall toward God? What am I, what am I leaning on? Am I actually leaning on Him? Now, am I leaning toward him? Am I leaning into the word? Am I leaning into Christian fellowship? Am I leaning into people that love me and can help me on the journey? Because I want to fall God's way if the worst comes to the worst. And some, you know, sometimes it does. So I'd like to pray for us today. But I think the real thought there at the end was if you delete everything that doesn't matter, what are you left with? And if you turn that anxiety into prayer, well, you're well on your way to trusting the God who knows what you need and is willing to provide. So why don't, why don't we stand together this morning? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word, Lord, that you love us, that you care for us in the most practical of ways. Uh, you don't want us carrying burdens that we cannot change the most frustrating thing in life is to be responsible for something that you can't change and so father we thank you that you you're offering to us to roll it off onto you to trust you and i I pray right now for hearts right across this place come on if if this message is spoken to you and you've you you know you either uh, need to stop turn trust whatever it is you you just know man god is speaking to me why don't you just raise the hand to heaven right now And Father, I thank you for people as they respond to you in Jesus' name, meeting them where they're at, giving them clarity of thinking, helping them clarify some of the issues, Father, helping them delete some of the static, some of the noise, some of the things that their mind revisits that really aren't the core issue. And Father, for all of us, help us to convert our concerns to prayer. Help us to trust you in that way so that you can galvanize our thinking out of fear, out of confusion, in a clear vision for our future. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, for touching people, touching people today, meeting people right where they're at. Father, bringing hope, bringing hope. I just believe for that release of hope into dark situations, into concerns, into, into relationships that just seem so difficult, so unfixable. I thank you for hope being born again in Jesus' name. Father, in, in different situations of life, in business world, in education, in Jesus' name, for hope shining again, hope shining again in, in relationships between siblings, that have too long been separated. Father, I thank you for hope and life coming back in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For health issues. Health issues that are faced in this place. Lord, I I just pray again for life and hope to flood back in. For anxiety to decrease and for hope to increase. In Jesus' name as we determine to look away from the problem and look toward the one who has the solution 
in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, you know, in the closing moments of this service, uh, you might be here and, uh, and you're here with friends or family. You're very welcome. It's great to have you with us. But you know, maybe trusting God has not been the main focus of your life. Uh, but even as I've spoken today, you've thought, man, I, I think I need some of this. I think I've done enough of the journey myself and just trusting myself and and too many times things have fallen over, things have fallen through and and I think I need more, I think I need help. And, and you'd say to me today, if we were to have a conversation, say, Chris, I, I think I'd like to trust God with my life. I think that's what I need to do. It's maybe the only thing I haven't tried yet and maybe I need to trust God with my life. Um, and so I'm speaking to you if that's you. Uh, in a few moments' time, I'm going to ask the whole church to pray a prayer that we pray every week. And it is a prayer about that very issue, trusting God with our whole life. And I want to invite you, if you've never done that, I want to invite you to committing your life to Jesus Christ today, to literally bringing yourself to the point in a very conscious way of saying, God, I am going to trust you. Uh, I'm going to welcome you into my life and allow you to help me do life better. Uh, and if, if that's you, just while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, would you just raise your hand just right where you are? I know I'm speaking to hearts here this morning, but friend, if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'll acknowledge it. You can put that hand down and then we're all going to pray. But it's a step of faith I'm asking you to take. If you'd say, Chris, I know that's where I'm at. I need to trust God. I need to trust him today. I'm not going to prolong it. Just going to give us all a moment. And you know you're at that point of faith. Fantastic. Awesome. Okay. Let's, uh, let's look to the screens, church. I love this prayer. It's very simple, isn't it? I think it says everything we need to say. I really do. So why don't we pray it together? Dear Jesus... I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. 